We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on the tweet machine at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Still verified, baby. Shout out to Elon. Didn't take my check, dog. I appreciate you on that. Shout out to everyone who subscribes and watches us on YouTube. Seahawks Man to Man is the name of the channel. That's Man to Man, the number two. Uh, man, we appreciate the love and support on there. Chris, holla at him. What is good, everybody? It is your boy, Christopher Kidd. No blue check for me, but Mike will be joining me soon, as well as Danny B. Kelly, because they are also verified. And last time I checked, I think Elon's about to drop the hammer and make you guys pay. And if you don't want to pay, you can join the non-verified community like myself. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And again, that's CKID206. All right, and as Chris alluded to, we have another pre-draft guest joining us uh, on the pod, uh, joining us again. You know, he's returning after last year. Did a great job talking NFL draft. We have Danny Kelly of The Ringer uh, joining us. Danny, welcome back to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing excellent. Thank you guys for having me again. Appreciate it. Uh, man, oh, absolutely, we- man. We had to bring you back on, especially after last year. I think the title was of the show was Seahawks cannot get cute. We'll get yeah. to that later on. And oh, yeah. As we discuss this, because obviously we're doing a draft. What, am I, what word am I looking for? A draft preview. preview. There we go. Brain for our draft <laughs> preview. So we'll definitely get to that. But to kick things off, man, I got to look at the quarterbacks because I think there's four that stand out. And obviously you can pick and choose who you think the best is. But out of those four guys, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, maybe two will be available Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Based on the two that I'm guessing you're probably going to go with, who do you think best fits what the Seahawks want to do if they take them with the opportunity to win the job this season and looking forward to the future where Pete Carroll might be out the door? Yeah, so that's tough. I mean, honestly, all four of them 
you can talk yourself into, I think, at that spot at number five. Um, I think, you know, it, from the CX point of view, it makes the most sense to me for them to take Anthony Richardson if he's there just because they have Geno as the bridge quarterback and they ha- and that gives them like a high floor. They could still be a, a winning team. And at the same time, sort of developing Richardson and having the idea that he'll come on in a year or two down the line, depending on how um, how well Geno Smith plays, obviously. So, like, to me, he would be the perfect combination of upside and <clears throat> I don't know what the word is, just like he's a little bit raw, so they need to develop him a little bit. So there wouldn't maybe there wouldn't be like a ton of calls to bring him in early if, you know, if Gino has a bad game here or there. Um, so I think that to me just makes the most sense timeline wise. I do think they would consider CJ Stroud at that spot if he was there. I'm a little leery about Bryce Young, even though I think Bryce Young is an awesome player. Like they just went through the whole small quarterback thing for like 10 years with Russell Wilson. I don't really know if they want to go back down that road to be totally <laughs> honest. Um, you know, so I, I think that just spooks me a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't have him high on the list, but I do think he's a good player. I've got him as my QB too, but um, just the, the size out, outlier factor makes me a little bit leery about, you know, the Seahawks investing in a, in a extreme outlier for size again, just based on the way that they want to run their offense. So, um, and then Will Levis, I mean, honest, honestly, you know, if he takes, if they take him at five, I'd probably be a little bit bummed if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> um, but you know, at the same time, like you, you can see the traits, the traits are outstanding. And, and that's the reason I, I can absolutely see why teams might like this guy. Um, he has an, an absolutely cannon for an arm like that thing. He, he can just launch it with zero effort look, looking and it's just, you know, he can throw it downfield like 50, 60 yards without like batting an eye he's got that kind of arm strength it's very quick release um you know he's a big tough guy i think there's a lot of tools to work with there but at the same time you just kind of watch him and you're left wanting a little something a little bit more from him i think and so i don't think he's their guy i I don't think they're gonna take him but anything can happen you know seahawks they're so unpredictable (laughs) um so yeah i would say you know that would be my order I'd, i'd say richardson probably makes the most sense for them i would not be surprised if shroud was there that they took him and then Bryce Young, the size thing scares me, and, and Will Levis, just like the, the inconsistencies scare me. I'm sure Mike is really happy that you're going with AR-15 because Mike yeah. has, I think over the past month, Mike has gone from maybe a out of 10, a 5 with Anthony Richardson to mile maybe like an 8, 7.5, just <laughs> watching film, talking yeah. to other people. And Mike can allude to this himself, but I think Mike is just like, thank you, Danny, you are <laughs> You are helping me out because he actually, didn't. You, didn't you just drop a piece on Anthony Richardson, Mike, on why the Seahawks should take him at number five? Uh, I didn't. Maybe not why they should, but just why it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Like it does. It does make sense. And yeah, my my priors have been confirmed on this show for about <laughs> last month. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nate Tyson not too long ago confirmed mm-hmm. my priors. It, it's great. Like this this pre draft season has just been confirmed. Mike's priors. with the exception of Deontay Lee. Shout out to Deontay who just broke my heart and just made it very clear. That Deion Henley as a great line could be a great linebacker just does not fit with the Seahawks. <laughs> Sadly, uh, and he's right. Well, the more I went back and looked, I was like he's right. God damn it! But yeah, the problem was with 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 AR, I got I got spooked early because I don't really watch a lot of college football. Right? So I saw some people early on, like when I'm not paying attention, maybe like late December, early January. Like I keep hearing the word raw, and mm-hmm. then I keep seeing the the I got a lot of Malik Willis comps early. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's bad. I've seen Malik. Right. <laughs> we, we don't. That's that's not worth the, the the fifth pick. And then I started watching myself, and I was like, Oh no 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 no! 
this guy's way better than Malik was. Yeah. Know? The Malik stuff is just like, you're just comparing athletic black guys at this point. Um, <laughs> we can't, we shouldn't do that. I watch him. I'm like, no, 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 no. This guy can actually move some safeties with his eyes and then hit a guy down the seam on third and 15, or I forget which game he did that. It's like, oh, no, no, no. That's, this is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, got, I got, I got scared off. That's why I'm so happy that people who are watching even more than me are like, yeah, no, no. Mike, your priors are confirmed. Anthony Richardson is is a, is a nice is a nice fit in Seattle. I mean, I think yeah, and the the things you hear about him, and, and there's people that compare him to um, Malik Willis. There's also comps to like Josh Allen and things like that because he's and, and to me, it's like the main thing that you worry about is he's just and this is a fact. He just is not very experienced. Like he has not thrown that many passes in college, and that to me is usually a huge red flag. And that's and and not a lot of guys that are like one year starters in college go on and like do really well in the NFL or at least not right away because there's just a million things to learn like it's like the hardest position in the world to learn how to do that and so you know him starting 13 games that to me is a huge red flag but like you were saying when you're watching the tape that you know the rawness is more just I think he's a little bit scattershot at times with his accuracy but like he does you do see flashes of like high level quarterback stuff where he's moving around in the pocket. He's trying to stay in the pocket. He's not just bailing at the first hint of pressure. Um, and he's able to throw over the middle of the field from the pocket. He hangs tough. He like throws in the face of pressure, keeps his eyes downfield and not on the rush. Like there's just a lot of things that he, he, and I'll say flashes because he just doesn't have a ton of reps, but like I, he does really flash those things. And, and um, I think the way that Nate put, put it, that, that always, kind of like resonates with me is like he tries to do the right thing he's not just guessing you know what i mean um and so he he understands i think how to play quarterback but he just honestly needs more reps that's kind of how i look at it and so um you know with him the ceiling is absolutely ludicrous just because he has the the physical tools he has literally maybe the best tools of any quarterback ever like <laughs> legitimately so like yeah you want to go for that you want to try and like develop that guy and so and, and a lot of people are like well you know, look at Tom Brady, his physical skills, his physical traits aren't that great. It's like, yeah, but look at Patrick Mahomes, like his are like <laughs> right. his arm is absolutely ludicrous. And he's the best quarterback in the NFL because of the things he can do, like out of structure. And, you know, I don't know. So like to me, there's a there's a middle ground here. Like, yes, we do want traits. It's also very important to be good at quarterback, the position, but right. you do want traits and the traits give you the ceiling to be an absolute game wrecker like Josh Allen like Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson, you know, things like that. So I do think it is worth shooting shooting for the moon on some of those things. I don't know if you heard or you probably saw the quote from Pete Carroll on a local radio station earlier this year when he said that the Seahawks can win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. And based on everything with the quarterback stuff, who they want to draft, how they can get better, would it be the smart move to even take a quarterback this year? Or do you say, you know what? You can still take a quarterback and find gyms where, hey, maybe they get cute. It works out, Danny. They get cute in the third round and find a gym. Right. He turns out to be a superstar. But based on just ha- hearing what Pete Carroll has said, do you even think it's smart to take a quarterback at five? Or are you just saying going on defense and build this roster within because you believe in Geno? Yeah. I don't have a good answer for that because I think I change my opinion every week. Um, <laughs> like, truly, I, when you look at the state of the NFC right now, I'm like, part of me is like, just get a really good defender and like go out and like, you know, go to the playoffs and anything can happen in the playoffs kind of deal. Um, But then I also look at how hard it is to get an elite quarterback and how completely set your franchise is for like 
10 years if you get one of those quarterbacks. Look at like the Bengals. Look at, you know, obviously the Bills, the, the Chiefs are in the NFC, their AFC championship like every year because they have an elite quarterback and they completely like change out the rest of their roster essentially. <laughs> yep. They still go back to the playoffs every year because they have that guy. Um, they go to the AFC championship every year because they have that guy. And, and like those teams are so set up with so flexible because they have that piece um, that it's a worthwhile gamble to if you really believe in a guy like Richardson or like Stroud, if he's there, whoever um, to do that, even though, you know, there is an opportunity cost of the right now, like obviously that, that is the thing to consider, but um, I don't know. To me, it's just like when you look around the NFL, like especially the AFC, these quarterbacks define what happens in any given year. And um, I do think there's a possibility the Seahawks could win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith. It's also a situation where I think everything has to go exactly right if you're going to win a Super Bowl with them. Not to, not to say he's bad, but like you just have to have everything else go right if you want to contend for a Super Bowl. So um, I don't know. Obviously, I'm fence-sitting. I think I lean they should take a quarterback. Wow. Okay. I don't know. It's tough. It's, I like it. It's it's the toughest of all the. Um, I'm probably I'd have to think about this maybe a little harder. But like of all the teams in the top ten, I do think the Seahawks are at like the biggest like crossroads mm-hmm. in that in that regard. I have to think a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably because everyone else is kind of building or just like playing with house money, like Philly is with pick ten. Yeah, like everyone else is like, man, they have to decide between playing for the short term or the long term essentially with their with their top pick and that's a tough that's a tough call because yeah. if you're if you're the seahawks you're like man we're not that far away whether this is reality or not i can see them being like we're not that far away from catching philly right totally. I'm catching philly versus catching kansas city doesn't really matter if you catch an afc team right like, so by the time you make a super bowl you're just playing them already so like yeah you should always try to catch your conference champs like i could see the seahawks think we're not that far right you know? and you that's know? the counter argument and that's why like i change my mind every every week it's like <laughs> Yeah, actually, that does make a lot of sense. Like, you're not playing in the AFC right now. Like, there's the there's just not that many elite teams in the in the NFC, and so like it gives them a chance if they can like get a good defender, get their defense cleaned up, like make a leap on defense. You know, then they have a real chance to, you know, not maybe not be Super Bowl contenders, but like definitely go to the playoffs and things like that. And like then anything can kind of happen. Um, I think the Lions are in a very similar situation where they're they're like their roster is really good, but the quarterback is there's a cap there with what they could probably do. I think with Jared Goff. So they're another team that might be like a, you know, trying to figure out this decision. Like, do we take a quarterback or, or just like keep building the defense or, or whatever. So there's just a, yeah, there to me, like if you look at the top 10 Seahawks are, you know, one of the most intriguing teams, not just because I'm a Homer and, and like the Seahawks, <laughs> but like for real, like this could be a turning point for them. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it, I've talked about this before. It really does come down to like how the, typically long-term aspirations of the front office clash with the typically short-term <laughs> desires right. of the coaching staff mm-hmm. usually those those their their uh the desires can can coincide and they often do with the good organizations but sometimes like coaches are like i need to play good players today like yeah. now like give me the best possible 11 22 53 whatever whereas front office might be like i hear you in a couple years though totally <laughs> well, might be a pro and going back, I'm just trying to remember, and you probably remember it better than me, but like along the way, there's been the Seahawks have been interested in quarterbacks and have been considering taking quarterbacks, even after they had Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, but I remember like the famous example is like Andy Dalton going back to whenever it was like 2010 or 2011. I think 
didn't Pete like Andy Dalton and Schneider didn't, or one vice versa, maybe. I think it's, I think it's flipped. I think Schneider uh, liked Dalton. Yeah. Pete said no. And yeah. then Schneider loved Russell Wilson, and Pete was like, or I can't remember, whatever it is. Like they have to agree. My main point is like there's been some disagreements between Pete and, and John, and ultimately the buck stops at Pete. But I right. think he wants to give John Schneider, you know, latitude to like build this roster and let him do his job. So I think there's a tension there where, especially at this pick number five, like they are going, I think if, if there's any disagreement, they'll just take not a non quarterback because yeah. that's a huge, huge commitment. And they both, I think have to be very much in line and see the guy the same way. So we'll see, like maybe that, maybe they do feel that way about Richardson if he's there, or maybe they do feel that way about Stroud if he's there um, or whoever, but yeah. So yeah, so they, I think they, there has to be like a very, like both John and P I think have to be huge believers in, in that guy to, to take him there. I mean, that's maybe like an obvious statement, but like it, it, it is a factor here. No, it's, it's, it's obvious, but it's, it's it goes overlooked pre-draft post-draft. You, we, we tend to hear reports and when there isn't, when the owner, the GM and the coach aren't all aligned on like a quarterback or like whoever the top pick was, we've seen that in Miami recently. That was the case with RG three. Like everyone wasn't on board at the same level and like investment in RG three. So that kind of tanked that situation to an extent. There were other issues, but as there always are with the Washington team. But yeah, when, when, when everyone isn't on board with who the top pick is, shit hits the fan. Yeah. So like that, and we usually don't hear about it after, but thinking about it beforehand too, I think San Francisco just went through a little bit of that. I think they were initially going to take Mac Jones. Right. Um, and then it, I forget who wanted who, but it, and they ended up obviously taking Trey. Everyone not aligned on that. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's, let's, stay, let's stay with offense. I want to talk some pass catchers because uh, mm-hmm. that's something we haven't talked about on the show this, this pre-draft cycle quite yet um, just because the defense has been so bad. We've talked about that uh, more often. Um, but all right. So for this exercise, Danny, let's say the Seahawks are like, we're taking a receiver in the first round, non-negotiable. All right, and then there's okay. it doesn't really matter where, but let's just say they're taking one. They're stuck though. They're stuck between Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, and Quentin Johnson from TCU. Mm. And they need your help. Who do you tell the Seahawks to go with and why? Uh, I would go with Jackson Smith and Jigba of Ohio State. I just think he's the best uh, of that group. Um, and honestly, he would fit what they're trying to do really well. Like with, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett out there, like he'd be able to play in the slot, do his thing. Like there's, I think the biggest question for him is with, for Smith and Jigma is like, can you, can he play outside? Can he be a quote unquote number one type receiver? Um, and I think that's a legitimate question. He basically only played in the slot or like the vast majority of like 85, 90% of his snaps are in the slot. Um, he doesn't have blazing speed. He's not the biggest guy ever, but I just look at him, you know, he's a technician as a route runner. He's really good um, at against both man and zone. Obviously he was incredibly, incredibly productive. He had very good testing numbers in terms of his agility. Um, There's just a lot to like here. And to me, he's the most complete safest receiver in this class. Um, But he also has an incredible upside too, to be like an elite receiver in my mind. So to me, he'd be the clear cut favorite by like a lot. And then, um, after that, I'd, I'd probably say Jordan Addison, but there's a hair, you know, between Addison and Flowers for me. I go back and forth on it. There's another guy, like another thing that I go back and forth every week on. I think Addison is like, he's he's more polished as a route runner. And he, I think is just a little bit more versatile, but he's all he's also very small, like 5'11", 173. Like that scares yeah. me a little bit. You know what I mean? And so he's yeah. just so slight 
how much are we willing to like sort of look past the the size thing um at least with zay flowers he he got up to like 180 something during this process he, he put on some muscle like there's at least the ability there to to gain weight and things like that so um but ultimately they're they're similar style players i think both undersized speedsters big play receivers um you know i think flowers is a little more big and physical and, and can run after the catch whereas addison is a little more finesse and tech technical as a route runner um so i think it's very close between those two and then um with johnston he's he's a he's a very fun player big play guy yak yards after the catch um tons of potential there i think physically he's the most impressive of this group by far but he's pretty inconsistent and i just have a hard time like kind of getting there with him all the way just because he's you know, he doesn't catch the ball especially well like his, there's some ball security things there he's not very nuanced as a route runner there's just a lot like and he's a big 12 receiver of course um <laughs> there's that so that just is a little bit worrisome but i don't know so it, to me that he's like sort of he i would be excited because of the physical potential is there but he's he's still got a lot to like develop i think as a as a receiver in the pro game let's see what is jackson what are you running the 40 Oh, four, five, two. Oh, man. Nasty. Can't well, do that. Yeah, That's no. perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Think there's <laughs> like, if you look at like the, some of the elite receivers in the NFL, like they're four or five guys all the way. Yeah, I think Devontae Adams is up there, right? Like four, yeah. five. I th- I th- I, let me just look it up. Devontae Adams, four, five? Oh, wow. Devontae Adams was like in the four or fives. I know like uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a four or fives guy. Um, you know, Keenan Allen was famously like four okay. four, four, two, but not great. Pretty fast. Devontae was four 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 two. Oh, okay. Well, I was wrong there. I thought yeah, I, we I remember were, we him being long. Long. I thought, I yeah, I thought he was a little slower, which explains his amazing route running. <laughs> <laughs> what did he said? Four four or something? That's I mean four, that's four, not, it's not blazing, but he's also not slow. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> yeah, well, Danny, you just confirmed another one of my priors because I've been a big Jackson Smith and Jigba guy. Mostly starting from the Rose Bowl, he he tore up. Oh my god, yeah, three hundred and forty-seven yeah. yards or something like that. Like that's absurd. Yeah, I was watching that game. I even tweeted a little bit during that game, which I don't usually do during college football games because I didn't. I didn't really. I hadn't heard of him uh, at that time, and I I was watching the Rose Bowl like everybody else. And I'm after that game, I was doing research on him. I was like, this guy might be the best receiver I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, what is going on? And then I yeah. look it up, and I think he's like. He broke like a shit ton of records in like Texas in high school. Like he's one of the best yeah. high school receivers ever in the state of Texas. Um, so it's like that yeah. distinction. That's, a, that's important. Yeah. 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 Like if you if you're that, then you're probably gonna be good in the league. I know he didn't play much last year, but since then, I've had people have had to talk me out of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Not, he, not to play around. Yeah, he was like a legend in high school, like legit legend. Um I, I don't have it in front of me. He, he scored like 30 something touchdowns as a senior. Like he's so like his numbers are absolutely ridiculous. Um, and everything that you hear about him from high school, it's like almost myth, mythical, like uh, mythology. Like he was the, like a freak of all freaks in high school in terms of like what he was able to do. Um, and then the only year, you know, they played a full year. He like outproduced, uh, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So like, hmm. I don't know, you know, to me, like, obviously there's, there's, context here and it's important um and he was running he was you know in their offense running a a, playing a role that would like be high volume and everything and i get that but at the same time man he he, he's just like number one i love his tape i think he's just he can move he can create separation 
he's really, really nuanced in, in the way that he gets open, um, catches the ball right off the catch, and his production is just ludicrous. So, like, what's not to like? I guess it is important to note that he he, he did miss most of last year with a hamstring injury. So there's that. But um, at the same time, I still just think he's a really good player. And, and you know, I, I, I like him by far the most of the receivers in this class. All right, let's see. Let's do a different exercise. Let's say now <clears throat> this in this one, they took defense in the first two, the first round. Mm-hmm. With both picks, but now they're like, all right, now we have to take a guy, a pass catcher, or specifically a receiver on day two. It doesn't really matter. Which yeah. round. Like, all right, we got to take one on day two. Let's assume those four are gone. They all four go, Quentin, yep. Jordan, Jackson, and Zay. They all go in the first round to whoever. Who are you pounding the table on in day uh, – pounding the table for in day two as mm. a I like a couple different guys in this area. I mean, honestly, like the, the day two receivers, all of them are pretty exciting for their own particular reasons. But I really like Josh Downs from North Carolina. He is like a – he's a slot-only type receiver, so he's, he's undersized. But he plays pretty big, really shifty. Um, he's kind of like I, – I think he would be a good – compliment to what they have with Lockett and DK. Um, so I think he's an interesting one. Marvin Mims is sort of a personal favorite of mine. Um, he's a field stretcher. He's another Texas high school legend. In fact, I think he holds records for the most yards um, in his high school career. And he was like Mr. Texas football as a senior in high school. Like just, you know, again, legendary mythical f- uh, figure in, in Texas football. So Marvin Mims, and he's a, he's a, another smaller guy which is like the kind of the story of this class but like he's really fat he's very fast explosive off off the you know off his first step or whatever he can kind of just dictate with that explosive acceleration um he can play outside inside he played basically he played primarily on the outside this last year and then mostly in the slot the year before so he can kind of do whatever um you ask him to do which i think is another good you know reason to grab him because he can kind of complement dk and, and lock it um and so he's another guy that i really like big play guy and then, you know, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, kind of a big possession receiver that they could utilize over the middle of the field. I think A.T. Perry, another big play guy. Jaden Reed uh, from Michigan State is mm-hmm. another one of my favorites. Um, you were at the Senior Bowl. Like, he was really impressive to me at the Senior Bowl. Kind of forgot about him a little bit in 2022 because his offense was atrocious. But <laughs> I was actually going back and watching him in 2021, and that was the Kenneth Walker team. And which made me just realize how good Kenneth Walker was too. Like Kenneth Walker, oh my God, turn on some of the tape from 2021. I was like, this guy is ridiculously good. It also makes me think this running back class is not nearly as good as I was thinking it was just watching Kenneth Walker run um, the year before. But, um, but yeah, he, Jane Reed, I think is uh, like the Seahawks would probably really like him. I actually comped him to Tyler Lockett, um, you know, except for the fact that he gets yards after the catch, whereas Tyler Lockett does not do that by choice (laughs) anymore. Kind of an intentional decision, which I respect. Um, but yeah, Jaden Reed, you know, he's a little bit bigger. He's still small, but he's bigger than some of these other guys, 5'11, 187. So he's a little bit thicker than some of these like really, really slight guys in, in this class. He's explosive, can get deep, can play on the outside and on the inside. He's got return game experience. Um, I just like him a lot. So he's another guy that I would say I'd be very excited if they picked him on day two. So I looked yeah. up the Marvin Mims cat because you mentioned him being a legend in Texas. First thing that came up. Is that he went to Oklahoma? So I was like, "Who fucked up there?" Um, that, <laughs> like, I don't, someone, someone didn't cut the check. Yeah, but CD but, and uh, Hollywood Brown coming out of Oklahoma. I think there was yeah. a little bit of like, you know, I think there was a little bit of hype there for like Oklahoma receivers. Oh, he, uh, oh, he initially committed to Stanford. 
uh, fascinating and decommitted. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did not. Know. This is all from Dane Booger's The Beast. Yeah. Which is just like incredible. We'll have Dane on after the draft. Yeah. Dane, uh, but yeah, it's been, man. in Mims' senior season, he had 114 catches, and this is in high school. 114 catches, 31 touchdowns, and set the state record for receiving yards in a season. 31. 626 yards. Mm. 300 yards in a high school season. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, he was Mr. Football in Texas and an All-American. Yeah. Wow. Holy hell. He was only the number 29 receiver in his recruiting class. <laughs> when it was like maybe the size thing or something, I, I didn't like, you know, I don't follow high school recruiting that closely. But to me, I was like, man. If you're Mr. Football in Texas, like five star, like I don't care. That's all I need to see. Yeah, there's a few states where if you're Mr. Football in insert state here, <laughs> five star, I'm I'm backing up the Brink truck or the NIL truck uh, to get you. If you had to pick a favorite out those, real quick, it was, just give us the name of it. all the guys you named day two. Who are you? Like you're up on the table, shirt off, waving it like Pete. Take this guy. <laughs> Whose name are you screaming in the jet? shirt off? Uh, I guess Mims. Mims probably be my personal favorite. I'd be very excited for Josh Downs too, though. One player stood out to me when you said it, and you explained a little bit of his game, and that's Cedric Tillman out of mm -hmm. Tennessee. the The player comp that I came up with immediately was when the Seahawks in 2019 had Josh Gordon. He was huge on third downs. I think he only had 11 oh, yeah. catches, yeah, yeah. but he was always thrown in the game on third and something, and Josh Gordon would have a catch. Is that mm -hmm. similar to how you would think Cedric could fit with the Seahawks, where he's just a big target on third down when maybe DK and Lockett are being doubled or just allow the coverage is forced their way and he comes up big? Is that something you would see with Tillman? Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's really good at using his frame um, and his size, to, and he's got really strong hands at the, like at the catch point. So I think, you know, on third downs, keep – like when they really need to get like a third and six, third and five, like he'd be the type of player to come in and, and be a, a factor on slants and things like that. Um, also good in the red zone. Um, he's got good awareness of like where the sideline is, all that stuff. Like he, he's just a really solid possession receiver. I think like, he's not like, he's not the most explosive guy, but he's, um, he's just really, you know, sort of reliable and big and strong and um, got enough speed to like threaten the defense deep. He, he was coming into the, season he was supposed to be tennessee's like big star receiver and then of course jalen hyatt blew up and, and got the the litnikoff award and, and and went absolutely like nuclear on on the season but um part of that was because tillman had i think a high ankle sprain he had to do the tightrope surgery thing to like come back and came back mm -hmm. and he wasn't quite himself um but you know still a very solid good player big tough guy i comped him to uh courtland sutton um yep. And, and they're like similar athletically, I think stylistically, they're pretty similar. Um, Sutton's kind of fallen off the last couple of years because of injuries and things like that. But early in his career, he was really exciting, um, sort of ascending star. So I could see Tillman kind of being that style of player. Nice. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Wow, man. I'm looking just randomly while while you were talking about these guys. I'm like looking up some of the random facts and Dane. <laughs> this is just just amazing, amazing stuff. Apparently, his Mims do ran 438. That's not like a random fact. Oh yeah, he he's fast. His ten yard split one point five zero, which is really fast. Um, super explosive. Like I I heard the expression, um, he can beat guys off the dribble, and I just think that's like perfect for Marvin Ooh. Mims. Um, you know what I mean? Just like the first two steps, and he's just downfield. And so, um, yeah, that he's he's just like one of like quote unquote my guys. I, I don't know how early he'll get drafted. He's probably gonna be like a third rounder or something like that. But um, wouldn't surprise me if he went a little earlier. All right, this is the last one of our uh, of our pass catcher exercises. Let's say now we're we're still on day two. They're like, all right, guys, we have to take a tight end. There's these this class is yeah. too deep. There's too too many different flavors. Everyone, you know, Will Disley's hurt. No offense on expiring deal. Colby Parkinson's on an expiring deal. We need a guy for the long term. They say, Danny, please help us. <laughs> we need a pat. We need a tight end. Who do you like as the best fit for Seattle out of this group, particularly on day two? Mm. That's a really good question. So fit wise, I would say a few people come to mind. Um, you know, obviously if Michael Mayer somehow falls today too, he'd be Seahawks through and through. Like, I think there's a small chance he falls today too. He's probably more likely going to be a first rounder. Um, but he, he's the type of guy that you can play. It's not, he's not going to betray, um, you know, whether it's a runner or a pass, there's not going to be like tendency stuff with him just because he's a good blocker and run game. He can do all that stuff. Um, but he's the type of guy I could see them liking. Same with Darnell Washington from Georgia, just because he's a really good run blocker and he can get him out in space and like the screen game. And he just like takes people out in the screen game, which I would love to see. I would love to see Ox to have like a screen game for the first <laughs> time in my life. Like I would draft Darnell Washington in the first round just so they could run screens. Like just give me a, give me one successful screen in 2023 and that's worth, Drafting him in the first round. At least um, you haven't given up on it, Danny. So that's <laughs> so, <laughs> Mike is dude, done. <laughs> I've been like bitching and moaning about it for years. And then I saw, and I apologize, I don't remember who tweeted it, but it was like basically a uh, a graph of like success rate on screens or something. And like the Seahawks were just like so far down in the left corner, like in the worst quadrant, the bad quadrant of like success rate and like yards per attempt or whatever. It was like, they were like three standard deviations away from the rest of the NFL. Like they cannot run a screen for, to save their freaking lives. It drives me nope. insane. Um, <laughs> so anyways, yeah, Darnell Washington, run a screen and that would actually work. Um, but I think realistically, um, I think they would like Luke Musgrave. He's very athletic. Um, he puts in a lot of effort in the run game. He, he's like an ascending player. He's just been hurt like the last two years. And so um it's I guess there's just not a lot of tape out there on him. And, and so that's a little bit concerning. He could fall, but he's very athletic. He's like a multi-sport guy. I know Pete loves that. He's like, he was like a Alpine 
skiing champion as, as a high schooler. He played oh, yeah. lacrosse, like all that <laughs> stuff. Like Pete's going to love that kind of thing. Um, and then Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State another guy I could see them really liking. Um, another combo tight end kind of guy that can block and, and be utilized in, in the passing game. I comped him to Hunter Henry. I think he's like in that that mold of like a big, physical, tough, um, wide tight end. Um, I don't know. Do you think they would want like a move tight end? It, it, it doesn't really feel like their style to like get a guy who's just going to not be much of a blocker. Hey, if they take Jimmy Graham there and he's true, true. They, they definitely would take a look. Obviously they tried to turn him point. into a blocker though, which was just, I mean, come it didn't on. Work. <laughs> Hopefully they learned that lesson. Um, Bingo. <laughs> yeah. I got to find my tweet where I mentioned, I replied to someone, not Jimmy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I replied to someone about Jimmy. And I was like, having Jimmy was like, I think I stole this analogy from someone. I was like, you're having a Corvette, but leaving it in the garage or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. and Jimmy found the tweet and liked it. <laughs> Searching his name, loving yeah, it. Yeah, it was so weird because like I, had a, I only covered the Seahawks for one year. It was Jimmy's final year. So it's like he didn't really get to know me. You know, so it was very yeah. weird. He was definitely deep in the search my name bag of Twitter, yeah, which yeah. is a da- dangerous space to be in. But if you had to pick one of those guys you just named, Danny, you're on the clock. There's 10 seconds left at the buzzer. What name? Again, shirt off again. Still, shirt still off in the draft room. You're waving it. Who are you going? With? Mm. Shirt off, Darnell Washington. <laughs> if, if we're talking the second round, I think that's a great value. And I'd just be excited about what they could do with, um, like I said, like the, maybe they could run a screen. Because um, <laughs> he, he gets out in space and he's just like engulfing dudes. I think there's a legit possibility he lasts into the second round. Um, he's got first round traits because he's, he's you know, big. He's, he's outlier size. Like he has a seven foot three wingspan or something ridiculous. Like he's just like got a huge frame. Um, but he's also pretty athletic and he's an ascending pass catcher. I don't think he's like a, he's never going to be a high volume pass catcher, but the way that they could utilize him as a blocker in the red zone. And I think it just fit what they want to do. So I'd be pretty excited about that. I was trying to find the tweet, Mike, of you referencing Jimmy Graham. I can't find it, but maybe no, you'll find it. I'll find it. Go ahead and move to the next one. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I remember it though. That was a great tweet, but I do want to spin things and look at on the defensive front and what the Seahawks got to do there. But I also want to give a shout out to your, draft guide because i like it a lot danny it's different than everyone else's and what i mean by different is one example you break down bryce young and then you have the player comp which i love the most about how you do player comps is it's not just football you might throw in basketball so in this example with bryce young you say shades of fran tarkenton meeting jason kidd <laughs> like that is just that's i like it i love it that separates you, you from it? yeah <laughs> exactly i could picture it Shout out to Jason Kidd. No relation, but, you know, we share the same last name. So oh, that's yeah, cool. didn't put that together until, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that being said, Will Anderson, mm-hmm. when you look at your your big board, you have him number one prospect. So the simple question is, why do you have Will Anderson as your number one guy? I think just in terms of the big picture, he seems like a very both high floor and high ceiling type of prospect. I, I don't necessarily know if he's like in the stratosphere is like, you know, Miles Garrett or Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, any of those guys were in terms of like, he, he's a, you're a hundred percent sure he's going to be a superstar in the league. However, the combination of production traits, um, you know, his size is the, the role he's going to play. Um, everything you hear about him as like a person, like a worker, you know, as a, a, the character of him is a very strong, everything that you hear about him is like, he's, he's a top notch dude who had ludicrous production in college, 
um, plays a premium position and, you know, I think is a type of type of guy that you could plug in right away and like at least play a role in a rotation as a pass rusher and then kind of develop from there and be like, end up being like a high level player. He may not have the type of bend. I think that's like the one concern is he's not like the bendiest athlete. He's a little bit stiff um, to be like a super superstar type pass rusher. But I do think he has the upside to be like a double digit sack guy, like in the NFL and he's going to rack up um, tackles for losses and things like that. Um, so I just think the, the level of confidence that he'll be at least a good solid, like longtime starter for you is, is high for me. And so um, that's the reason I've got him. Number one, I, this is the class that doesn't have a lot of blue chip players in my mind. Um, there's just everybody that you go down the list is like major question marks. And he's the one guy who I don't have a ton of questions about. I think we can all agree that the biggest need for the Seahawks defense right now is that line defensive line that is. And yeah, Jalen Carter, he's still someone that could potentially be on the Seahawks radar. radar. Yep. And in that scenario, with everything going around him, telling if you're not in the telling team, if you're not in the top ten, we're not chopping it up. To the whole incident that happened, which you know, unfortunately, people, lives were lost. Would you still take him at number five, or is he? You're kind of thinking, you know what? We can get someone else and build this defensive line. Yeah, I. That's a very tough question to answer from the outside looking in because there's, you know, there's there were question marks and sort of rumors and whispers that there were some character concerns with him even before that incident that happened with the car crash and the the, um, the two people that died in that car crash that may have been due to racing and, and all that. Um, there was already question marks, I think, like in, in the rumors were is just like, oh, you got you got to push him really hard at practice. He's not like a self-starter necessarily, but at the same time he goes into games and just wrecks shops. So like how, how worried are you really about that? It's like, you know what I mean? He's like a 20 year old kid. Like, yeah. like a lot of guys are going to be sort of um, maybe just word is like immature or something like that. So I think there's that. And, and then, but to me, the bigger worry was like, he's got this arrest. He had to go down. He had to leave the combine, come back. He comes back to his pro day. He's like gained nine pounds. Um, between the, the combine and his pro day, which is not a very long time, like a period of like two weeks or something like that. It's just like, to me, the, the red flags are starting to, to stack up a little bit with him. Um, in addition to the fact that he plays defensive tackle, which is not necessarily considered a premium position. So, or at least I think it's easier to sort of replace those guys on the inside, unless he's like a, you know, Aaron Donald style, style player. If, if we think he's that guy, if you think he's, you know, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox or Jeffrey Simmons or whoever, then I think he's worth taking the, taking right there. Um, but to me, the red flags have st started to stack up a little bit here that would make me a little bit worried to make him to, to make him that number five pick. Um, but that being said, I think he's still going to go top ten, and for you know that's why they're not they're not meeting with teams outside the top ten. Which is such a bullish. I love I love that strategy from Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, right, right. I, what about teams that want to trade up? <laughs> It's come under fire a little bit for reasons like that, but I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Screw it. No, you just, I, I just like that energy. It don't just go, they don't want to go through the motions and like travel and all that bull. You know, it's like kind of makes sense. I get it. Yeah, I I, I like it. I, I um two things. Uh, I tried to find my Jimmy Graham tweet. Uh, oh look, by by doing two things really quick while we I was trying to multitask. I searched my Twitter name and word Jimmy and figured, bro, I, I did the same thing. I couldn't have tweeted Jimmy that often. I was wrong there. Apparently, <laughs> Lots I of Jimmy, Jimmy tweets. Yeah. I tweeted about Jimmy G quite a bit. 
uh, which also reminded me that last year it was like a thing where the Seahawks was like, oh, Mike, are the Seahawks going to trade for Jimmy G? That was a thing last summer I completely oh, yeah. forgot about. Um, I'm glad that I didn't get like old takes exposed. That was making it very clear that would be bad uh, if they do that. The second thing I tried by searching my name uh, and, and the word Graham, and I learned how often I used to tweet about Graham crackers. <laughs> I, I still cannot find the Jimmy Graham tweet. I also have learned that. I used to debate with people whether graham crackers or crackers. Wow. Um, or crackers or cookies, mm. um, I guess, which is, now that, we're not going to get into it here, but now that I think about it, that is worth a debate. I just didn't realize how often <laughs> I was doing that uh, on the internet. So all of I that even, not find the tweet. I even looked up the word and your ad name with garage, Mike. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know what I learned. By What's Jimmy Graham's that. like handle? Did you, did you tag him? I didn't tag team? him. I'm a big no tag players guy. Yeah. That's I do sad. not tag player unless I have like a relationship with the player and I'm like poking fun at the player or something like that. But otherwise I usually do not, it, whether it's good or bad, yeah. whether I'm complimenting them, posting film. I usually just, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm big, same. Yeah. a big fan of that. I hate when people like then reply to me and then tag the player. It's like, you snitch, get away from Snitch tagging <laughs> is the worst. It's the lowest level of tweeting. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, like, come on, man. It's like, I know they're at thing. If I wanted to tag them, I would have. I would have, yeah. Yeah, I would have, would have tagged them. And, yeah. you know, I, I also, it's a little arrogance on my side. I feel like I have a big enough platform. It's like, if I, if they're, if, if the tweet is important enough, they will see it. Right. Usually, like usually, whether it's their them, their mom, their trainer, their coach, whatever, like my tweets will get <laughs> agent, for that yeah. player if it's a Seahawks player. Anyway, let's. I'm gonna go back to the defensive line. The Jalen Carter thing is just when we talked about the short term versus long term decision they have to make, kind of with the quarterbacks at the center of that. Jalen Carter's right in that too. Like, there's some really tough decisions mm-hmm. for the Seahawks here with this with this fifth pick. Like, the fifth pick is a blessing. It's great. Thank you, Russell Wilson. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, whew. It's just it's such a pivot point, right? In so many ways, and Jalen is right at the front of that. Because well, you watch some, you pop on some Jalen tape, and it's like, you know what? I'll take the guy as long right. as he himself is not in jail. I'll take him. And even then, if he was, as long as he can get out on Sundays, still <laughs> might, right? Still might uh, because he's so much of a of a need. But let's right. see. Let's say they don't take him. Another exercise for you. Um, a, a guy that we haven't had really anyone talk about on the podcast yet in this sa- draft cycle, uh, who's on the D line is Kalaja Kansi. Mm. Uh, from uh, did I get the last name right? I know it's Kalaja. Kalaja Kansi, yeah, Kansi, yeah, from Pitt. Um, I'm not a big fan, but I, I admittedly don't know a ton. Um, the size thing does worry me a little bit. I think six one, two eighty one. He's he's thirty sixth ranked prospect on your big board though. So that sell me on him a little bit. Is it is, could that make some sense there? I mean, late first round or something like that. I mean, to me, he's more of a second round player just because he. I don't know. It's tough because on one hand, there's going to be probably like fifty players that teams have ranked in from you. We hear it every year. There's like probably fifteen first round grades right mm-hmm. and then from there on from 15 to like 50 probably you can have guys with like similar um grades and so like i guess it's like you know a little bit um meaningless to say oh he's an early second round versus a late first round like whatever um but at the same time to me he's more of a second round target for me just because there's some major concerns about he's not he's another outlier like not only is he small he's 280 pounds but six foot one but he has like historically short arms which is always a concern when you're playing defensive line on the interior. Um, you know, it's just because number one, like if you can't, if you don't have the reach to get, keep guys off your body, like if, if, if you let opponents into your chest, they're going to like dominate that rep. Um, and so that is a reason 
that typically speaking, like length is so important for defensive linemen. That's why, you know, length is so important for offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he is so quick and so explosive off the first step. It may not end up mattering long-term. Um, but at the same time, he is an outlier because of that. In addition to the fact he's six foot one or six foot or whatever, like he's short and short arms. And so you're kind of double dipping on the outlierness of him. And so that makes me a little bit nervous, even though he is like a very good player. Um, you know, in the first round, I think you got to have, to me, you got to go with guys with like elite traits a little bit more. And so that would make me a little bit nervous to take him in the first round, but he is getting mocked in the first round quite a bit. And so, um, you know, he is, he is the type of player that could come in on sub downs that I don't know if he's a three down player necessarily in the NFL, um, but provide a little juice to the interior pass rush group and, and kind of do that. But there's a couple other guys I think I'd prefer um, over him for the Seahawks in particular, just because um, yeah, like I said, the, the short he's, he's short and he's short arms. That just like worries <laughs> me a little bit. I, I, I actually moved him down in my next update. I haven't published it yet, but um, it's scaring me off a little bit. I can see, I can see. Uh, well, the his, I love the relative athletic score uh, website is super great. The, yeah, the, yeah. The color coding of it is like also like really like satisfying. <laughs> totally um, for me, like it just it just jumps out. Like whoever designed those, whoever thought of that element is just a great. And you go to a guy like Kalijah's page, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like all of this green on all of the testing composites. Yep. He ran four six, which is great at two hundred and eighty. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. He, he, his vert 33 and a half, like, come on. Like that's, that's crazy for that, at that weight, short shuttle stuff was all, was all great. Like it's green everywhere. And then you get to the size and it's just awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's just this big splash of red Mm -hmm. at one, 281. And then there's some other guys, like if you guys ever bored on on the relative athletic score side, just pick your favorite player who's in the league now. Just go look at his page. It'll be surprising. Some of them are like obviously green as hell. And then you're like, we were talking about Devontae Adams earlier. I looked it up. His looks awful. <laughs> yeah. Red and orange. Orange is like uh, average or whatever. It's like red and orange all over the place on Devontae Adams. And he's like <laughs> maybe the best receiver right. uh, in, in the league. So uh, let's stay with D-line, though, because you did mention mm-hmm. some other guys that you like more. Are are, uh, are any of these names guys you like more? Mozzie Smith, Siaki Ika, or Keanu Benton? Those are all the Seahawks man-to-man stamp of approval defensive tackles. <laughs> Is there, are we missing any? Is there anyone else that you like that's not among that group maybe for Seattle? Yeah, Benton was a guy that I kind of came to late in the process. I, I, He was one of those players that was really standing out at the Senior Bowl. Um, and the more that I dug into him and when I wrote him up for the guide, like I got more and more convinced that this guy is going to be a steal in the second round. Um, he, if you actually, I did the head-to-head comparison with him and uh, Jalen Carter actually. And the number of snaps that they've played and like their overall stats are like pretty much identical across the board. Um, Obviously I'm not saying they're the same player, but he's essentially the off-brand version of Jalen Carter. I think the Seahawks could, could take kind of the Kirkland brand, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd be very excited if they got him in the second round, just because he's extremely explosive off the first step. Like he has an incredibly effective club move that leaves dudes just like lunging like offensive line will come out of their stance, like trying to be like play with power and stuff and just go like fall down. They'll just go lunging. Cause he's got a really effective club mood. He kind of pairs it with a swim move um, and a rip move. And he's just, he's really good at getting guys flailing and into and, and shooting into the backfield. So he's the type of player I think that, um, you know, could come in and, and contribute right away. I actually comped him to Jaron Reed. I don't know. 
how accurate that is, but like size wise, they're pretty similar. Um, and I think Jaron Reed was a second rounder and I think that Benton will probably end up being a second rounder too, but, um, yeah, he, he's just got, he's got length. He's got that first step explosiveness. I think he can play on all three downs. Um, he is one of my favorites in, in that area just because he offers a little bit of pass rush upside too. Linebacker room. They did add some players. Devin Bush, cool. Bobby Wagner's back, excellent. But the unfortunate yeah. news is Jordan Brooks will probably not be returning. I'm not going to try to guess. He's He won't be back for the start of the season is my yeah. best guess. And mm-hmm. in that scenario, the next guy will be John Radigan, which he hasn't really played at all. So mm-hmm. this is a new role for him. In that scenario, the draft is a great opportunity to get some guys. And two guys that I've heard names, and maybe you have two, I'm going to throw them to you. I want you to pick either or. Or maybe okay. you pick both of them. Maybe somehow the Seahawks can get both of these dudes, which probably won't happen. But you have Arkansas's linebacker Drew Sanders mm-hmm. or Clemson's Trenton Simpson. Yeah. Who do you like to fit what the Seahawks are trying to do with the new 3-4 scheme moving forward, learn from Bobby? Yeah. How does this work out? Who do you who do you like and why? Um, I think I, I think Drew Sanders would be a little bit more intriguing to me. Uh, both of those guys are kind of fascinating because so with Trenton Simpson, he's just absolutely bonkers athletic. Like, and I know that the Seahawks tend to like that at their their linebacker position in particular. Um, his range, his explosiveness, um, you know, the way that he flies around like a heat seeking missile. Like, there's all there's definitely a lot of things to like with him, but. He's sort he's, he he worries me a little bit because he's sort of a player without a position. He's not really a linebacker and he's not really a, a pass rusher. Um, he's kind of in the Jamal Adams mode uh, where it's like we got to figure out how where this guy's going to play type of deal. Um, so that makes me a little bit worried. But I think you could also say the same about Drew Sanders. But to me, Drew Sanders, his upside is a, is a lot more intriguing just because he has an actual potential to be like a stand-up rusher off the edge. And he did that at Alabama before he transferred to Arkansas. And um, he showed some traits there. I think he's, he's just got like a, he's, he's taller. He's got a bigger frame, a little bit more versatility. And like I said, he could come in and sort of be a guy that could come in and like be a rusher off the edge on third downs. If they want to get another guy in the rotation, Um, his upside as sort of, um, a player that can wear a couple different hats for a defense and, and do it well, I think is, is intriguing to me. So I like both of those guys, honestly, but Sanders to me has a little bit higher upside just because of that pass rush ability. Well, if they draft him, Danny gets all the credit. You hear that, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, all of it. <laughs> well, the, the, the uh, Simpson that I get a little worried, not worried is probably not the word, uh, but it does seem like he fits whatever the Arizona Cardinals are trying to do over there. It feels like, I feel like they had like four drafts in a row. But they were just like, we don't care if you have a position. Totally. <laughs> just just, just come play on our defense, and we'll just play chaos ball for a yep. little bit. Uh, and I don't, it didn't work. But although they had some – it worked a little bit, and then it just was like – eventually it was like, this is not sustainable. Right. Like it would help if guys know where the hell they're going to play, where they're second-level guy on the line of scrimmage, whatever the hell. And that would that would worry me a little bit. And just like, where how do you find a fit? Which is not even the player's fault. Right. Well, yeah. part of – yeah, my defense – for because I was really high on uh and I'm I'm blanking on his name. Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, Isaiah Simmons. He I was super high on him, but I think part of the deal is like when he got into the NFL, they tried to have him be like a different position every year of his career so far. And there's been like all these changes, you know, with the team and um 
I don't know. I just think like that kind of situation you want to try and avoid where, and the Seahawks honestly haven't had the best track record in, in terms of like having a plan for these guys when they come in. And so like, it, it would make me a little bit worried. Um, but I think you could say the same things about Drew Sanders too, because he's sort of a tweener also. And so, but they're just like stylistically very different tweeners. Um, I, I like the idea that Sanders could come in and like be like a, a rusher, a stand-up rusher. And like he has the size and, and frame to do it. Whereas um, Simpson is, I guess, more in the Jamal Adams mold where he'd be like a blitzing pass rusher rather than like an actual pass rusher, if that makes sense. And so um, I think that's why I would lean Sanders in this scenario. And that scenario based on those two, are there any other, if there's a, is there another guy that actually fits the linebacker spot that doesn't do, isn't just a freak athlete, but can actually come in and play linebacker and say, you know what, that is his role. Yeah. Love him there. Is there a player that screams at you that can do that or not really in this draft? In this class? Not really, honestly. Um, okay. I, I don't love the linebacker class. Like it's every linebacker is like, there's some interesting traits about them, but there's big, like a, but like he's this, that, and just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, like Henry Toto from Alabama, he's very instinctive, but he's like undersized and not very strong and doesn't take on blocks. And like, there's major concerns there. Um, <laughs> Those are big concerns. Yeah. I mean, like, that's like what you need in the NFL. Like it's tough. <laughs> um, I think Henley from Wazoo, ex extremely exciting, like physical talent, but he's clearly still sort of learning the position. I think when you yeah, watch choose him, your words wisely, you see that hat. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. I'm, I've, I've faced, I've faced the facts. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, going down further down the line, like DeMarvey and Overshone from Texas, he's, he kind of see hockey. He's got like, he's explosive. He hits hard, flies downhill. Um, big, big hitter. I think I could see them liking him, but that he's probably more like a day three guy, early day three. Um, and I don't know if he'd necessarily be like a starter for them. Uh, Owen Papo from, from Auburn, another guy that's pretty interesting to me just cause he's a elite athlete, former five-star guy, but, um, you know, there's, there's concerns with his awareness and his instincts and coverage. There, there's it's, I think the same deal with all the, all these linebackers is like, there's always a big, butt that happens with, with everything you say. <laughs> Understandable. Oh, just found the tweet. Nice. Yes. I did some research. How I found it. Jimmy Graham. Oh, Jimmy Graham's tagged in this tweet. That's how he found it. You tagged him. No. So, okay. Here's what happens. We had we talked about him on a podcast, mm. and then my my cousin actually responds to me and tags Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, he says Jimmy was misused. Um, and I respond to my cousin, and re by responding to my cousin, Jimmy is then tagged ah. in the response. So yeah, that's what happened. And then, yeah, my line was they picked up a Ferrari just to drive the speed limit. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's good. And then Jimmy Jimmy liked that tweet. There we go. Wow. Good pull, Chris. Hey, How's man. I was, I was like, you know what? I haven't searched Jimmy Graham and Mike Dugar. I'm sure it might come up there. And sure <laughs> enough, the second yeah. tweet down, there it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I've got to apologize to Jimmy there. He just, he was not Twitter searching his name. He he was tagged. Oh, there we go. By, by me. No, not by me, by my cousin. But I get why well, I would have popped up on his phone. I'm also verified. So he could have that setting on there. But he, he agreed with my sentiment. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Yeah, which is the, the important part there. Yeah, they picked up a Ferrari just to, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. What? <laughs> I do, I do. Let's go back. Let's go back and talk about this because I'm just like, why Why would you trade a first-round pick for a guy that's like literally a wide receiver? He, he tried to sue the NFL or his team to like make him wide receiver with franchise back. <laughs> and then they try and turn him into a freaking inline blocker. Like what? 
where's the logic there? What's happening? There, there is, we have to there ask is, Pete Carroll. <laughs> this makes I mean, no sense to me. Yeah, that that's it's funny. This is not really totally related to that. I do think of that like Seahawk time period though, when people like credit the Rams with being the first one to just like punt on first round picks in the in the name of players. And like, did we just forget that they just the Jimmy right. Graham trade, the Percy Harvin trade? Right. Like the Seahawks were on, on that first. Maybe not first, but certainly before the Rams. I don't know. I don't know enough about NFL history to know if anyone was before the Seahawks on that, but they were definitely before the Rams and it kind of didn't work too. No, you know, so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, I don't really, I see why the Rams and the teams are like, fuck them picks. Yeah. Like, yeah. When you do that, the guy you trade for has to stay healthy <laughs> is that's the real risk you're, you're taking there. When you look at like Jalen Ramsey has been kind of fine. Laramie Tunsil has been fine for the, uh, for the Texans, I mm-hmm. think that I don't, I don't know about Khalil Mack. He was another two first round picks guy. Like, mm. if that guy gets hurt, like Jamal has with the Seahawks, just looks. Even if your process was good, you know, you look, you look kind of screwed. I think they've also just had a lot of really bad luck. Like, the with first round picks in general, they just had bad luck. Like the injury situation. Like, I yeah. the Jimmy Graham. Like, they clearly didn't have a good plan for him. But it, <laughs> like, you also have to remember he tore his patellar, which is. Yeah, like a career ending injury for a lot of guys. And that was sort of when he was starting to really get some momentum and start to be like a bigger part of their offense. Like he, I, I think he, he either missed, he either I caught a touchdown on the play where he tore his patella or he like had it and then he tore his patella and he dropped it. But it was like, they were starting to figure out how to use him. Um, and yeah, it was he, turning around. It was looking good. I remember that. I yeah. was thinking, damn, this might be a problem. And then he gets hurt. Yeah. And then it was and, just like, all bets are off at that. He was out for like a full year plus and then probably was never the same after that you know yeah yeah it's been tough for seattle's just where it's use of its top picks whether by trade or by the the selection itself has just like just the, the luck has not been yeah even i even think like bruce is like a quote-unquote hit i guess in that regard sure yeah. like i every uh i forget what story i was working on I, maybe just last year working on when they, how their native first round picks have gone I had forgotten that they traded that pick. Um, yeah. So they like, traded back, right? Yeah. They traded back from 12 to 15. And then mm-hmm. the 12th pick ended up being Fletcher Cox. So like Bruce in a vacuum is a fine 15th overall pick or whatever, but it's like, well, you missed out on Fletcher Cox to do it. And mm-hmm. I forget what they picked up in the trade. And yeah. Yeah. I don't was, remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember either, but like, maybe you, was it, was it, it wasn't the pick that they got for, uh, they got Bobby with, was it? Oh, I don't think so. Well, now we're just like deep into just like Seahawks draft. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like that draft is such a good microcosm for the Seahawks of the last decade, really, or decade plus is, you know, they trade back in the first round to pick a undersized, you know, speed rusher that hadn't really done a whole lot in college in, in Bruce Irvin. And that didn't work out. But then they got Bobby Wagner in the second and Russell Wilson in the third. So it, it, it didn't matter. so they're getting too cute getting weird in the first round and then like finding these gems in the second and third and fourth or whatever it's like that's the story of the seahawks you know the last whatever 10 15 uh this is their 14th draft which i think is wild um no i i someone i was like talking to someone the other day i was like what is this like their 10th one i'm like 14th what the hell that's not that's not right it can't be right and they're they're their top picks like from lj even jordan rashad yeah uh, D, I think Frank might have been their top pick one year. Yeah, I think he was 19, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2015. Uh, I think Frank was their top pick, like pick 63 or something like that. And then, yeah, D, 
Malik McDowell. Like there's just been a st- like there's just no normal in yeah. there. Charles Cross, fingers crossed. Is that the <laughs> don't, very, yeah, no, don't say his name. Don't even think <laughs> of it. Don't even think it. We don't uh, want to jinx anything. I also have let's see. Okay, so they traded back and in the 2012 draft, and they picked up a fourth round pick that they used on Jay Howard, whoever that is, uh, and Jeremy Lane. They picked I mean, up. I mean, he was yeah, he was pretty solid for that for a year too. And I would, I think I would just rather have Fletcher Cox. Oh, I think. Yeah. Well, that's like the don't get cute thing. Um, and it, it was weird because, like, I remember during that draft, now we're just like waxing, like me- having memories. But, like, <laughs> uh, I remember hearing he was like their guy in the pre Like, the day before the draft, I was like, oh, they want Fletcher Cox. They want Fletcher Cox. And then he was like sitting there and they didn't take him. So, kind of weird. Weird indeed. But we've been talking about getting cute. All right. We might as well get to it right now. Last season, the last year in the draft, <clears throat> solid. Did good. Like what we see from Charles Cross, even though he said, don't mention his name. Sorry, I did. He, <laughs> he, he panned out, I think, the rookie year. Mm-hmm. How confident are you this year, Danny, that the Seahawks can have some success and get some really good glue guys to bring this team back to, I don't know, a deep playoff run and potentially a Super Bowl? How confident am I? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this. It helps to have the picks that they have. They have a lot of picks. Um, so that helps a lot. <laughs> I, I still think like the draft is, is honestly just a lot of luck. It, it really is. <laughs> I, I think obviously, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and there's a lot of, um, is it like Russian roulette or something? Another, another, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the, I'm not saying that they're bad at their jobs. I just think it's just extremely difficult to like predict what a 21, 22 year old person is going to do you know, the next five, six years, like in anything. And so it's just a very difficult um, thing to do, but it helps that they have these picks. It helps that they've got a lot. They have like, how many is it in the top 95? Like five or six picks in the top five, 95. Five picks so, in the, uh, they have five, 20, 37, 52, and 83. Yeah. And so like, to me, that's, that's awesome. There's a chance here to get two or three good starters. Um, and, you know, and that would be a huge, huge impact for them. But like, if we're being totally honest, like, the last 10 years, the track record has not been strong. And so um, I think, you know, this last year, they really hit it out of the park with a lot of these picks. That probably feels more like the outlier than the norm, but um, they have the ammunition to do really well in this draft. Um, and again, as long as they don't get cute with it and, and don't overthink it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, what I've, I'm trying not to be the Debbie Downer of like pre-draft season or last year, I just tried to like enjoy the ride, but I, I did kind of want to caution people during the year about like using the 2022 draft class as like the example that the Seahawks have this nail all of a sudden, right? particularly because it's coming off the heels of arguably their worst draft class in 2021. Right? Like that was just, a, that was just 12 months later, yeah. you know, and it speaks to how random the draft is and not even just the class of 2021, which has some talented guys. It's the class with Stone, Trey Brown, and the, and uh, D. Eskers as mm-hmm. a class. But then also look at like why they only had three picks. The Jamal trade is one. Uh, forget the other trade. Wasn't Dwayne Brown part of that? I think they got him for a second. Or I could be thinking this is like not further enough back. Yeah, um, no, the, Dwayne Brown was like that. Gabe, their, Gabe Jackson, maybe? They, they traded for vets. Why they didn't have a fifth. I forget yeah. why they didn't have a third. Yeah, I, I, forget, I forget. Oh, no, Jamal as well. That's yeah, what it was. Great. So because of the Jamal trade, they didn't have a first, they didn't have a third, and then the Gabe Jackson trade, they didn't have a fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, and some that it kind of is what it is, but like you look at that haul, 
versus the 2022 haul and back in 12 month spans, it's largely the same staff. It's like that speaks to like, guys, this shit is random. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no one's like the, the ultimate mad scientist to get this shit right. You need guys to stay healthy. You need there to be guys in the draft at positions you need in the areas in which you can take them. Like right now, the yeah. Steelers' biggest need is like inside linebacker, but they have like the fifth pick. Well, that doesn't fucking help. Right. You're not just going to take Drew Sanders at pick five because you need a guy. But last year was a great tackle class. They needed a tackle. They had pick nine. It just kind of fell in the in the place. And it fell right exactly for them too, right? Like, Yeah. That doesn't happen every – Every year, particularly at the top of the draft, they got screwed some in the top of the draft some other years. Like I, I'm pretty sure they would have took Derwin James in whatever year Derwin James was drafted. Mm. I think he goes like one pick before them. Yeah, and they end up trading back. The pick they trade back with, I think, becomes J.R. Alexander, and they end up taking Rashad Penny at 27. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, but if what if what if Gus Bradley doesn't work for the Chargers and they don't take Derwin James, like oh, then you have like the cam chancellor successor or something like that, instead of having yeah. to trade all of these picks for safeties, you know, because like they've, because of their safety, I'm going on a little bit of a ramble, but I'm going to stop after this. <laughs> Look at the safety picks they've had to make since cam and Earl, because they didn't hit on some of the ones they make. They had to trade two firsts, a third and a fifth to get Quandra and Jamal. And plus then, they used the second on Marquise Blair, right? Yeah. And the second on Marquise Blair, like a fourth on Tedrick Thompson, like the the safety Delano Hill, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Like the the Delano now, Danny. Sorry, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It is it is Lano. The sa- the safety <laughs> resource allocation, like so how much of that could have just been like avoided a little bit if like just one pick goes their way. It's like you just get Derwin. So well, like yeah, I, and I think so. Like I always look at it a little bit like. GMs are a little bit like these like famous stock pickers, like hedge fund managers and, you know, all that. Like you can look really good within like a short amount of time, like within like a year or two, you can look like the best, smartest, like a genius. But like if you zoom out like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, like most of the time, like the 99 percent of people in the the stock market are just like going to underperform just like the S&P 500. And I look at the GM as a similar thing, like last year, John Schneider and Pete Carroll look like absolute geniuses. Mm-hmm. If you could zoom out, <laughs> they're losing a lot of money. They don't. <laughs> and so there's a very, it is like, it's, it's, I, I'm not trying to like, uh, I'm not trying to say it's pure luck because that's not true because you have to match your evaluation with your coaching and your system and your, and, and get them in. And there's always injuries that like, throw everything for a loop and the draft the way the draft falls will throw you for a loop and all that stuff there's a million variables but that's the point is like it's extremely difficult there's a million variables it's like chess like so many different things have to go exactly right um and you can't predict it before like draft night necessarily and so um i don't know long story short is i i do think there is just an element of luck and you know i think the bottom line is and this is the reason they've been like this it's like volume drafting is the best way to go about it like mm-hmm. have more you know darts to throw at the dart dartboard and you're more likely to hit the bullseye with a couple guys so um i think this is another year with like having number five overall like there's a huge opportunity you know having two first rounders that's a massive opportunity to have another early second rounder which again there's going to be a lot of good players in that area they got they got the the they have the picks here to like really make a huge difference but luck has to be on their side um so i don't know 
we yeah. got we got one last question for you before uh, uh, before we get you out of here. I do think to the to your point about like zooming out versus like focusing on one class. Like the 2022 class is probably an outlier, uh, whereas also the 2020 the 2019 one probably is as well. Like the Seahawks are probably on average probably going to be somewhere in the middle ideally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like the 2019 class is LJ Blair, uh, Marquise Blair, DK Cody Barton, Gary Jennings. So I think just caught a touchdown on the. In the XFL, yeah, yeah, or on a fake punt touchdown, I think a couple nights ago. <laughs> uh, Phil Haynes, Ugo Amadi, BBK, Travis Homer, Demarcus Christmas, and John Arsua. Like, that was just not a good Demarcus Christmas, yeah. Whereas the 2022 class obviously is a home run. I think where the Seahawks are probably like, if you're being reasonable, if you get like every year, you get something like the 2020 class. It's not like ideal. There's no like, pro bowlers in there, but it's it's got Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, and Damian Lewis. Mm-hmm. We're all like starting, you know, fine players at their spots. And then Colby Parkinson is was like a fourth round pick. DJ Dallas was a fourth round pick. Uh, and then after that, you're just you know grasping at straws. Alton Robinson was the fifth round pick. Yeah, Frank Swain was a sixth, and then Stephon Sullivan was a seventh round pick. Like it's not great, it's not bad, but that's probably like the median draft success rate if you yeah. if you zoom out you're not gonna have a 2022 class every year but you're probably not gonna have a 2019 class every year because you get fired uh, <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing i mean i think you're absolutely right like i mean the baseline goal should be to get like a starter or two like if you get a starter or two you can that is like you just stay in a float you're not like sinking your whole team if you get zero from a draft class if you get absolutely like zero from a draft class there's a little bit of a lag to it but like two or three years down the line, that's like massively important to your team. It could like really, really hurt your team. Then you're having to go out and spend a bunch of money, probably too much money in free agency. Half the time free agents don't really work out anyway. So you're like putting yourself really behind the eight ball, um, you know, and so like getting absolutely zero out of a draft is a massive, massive thing that you can't have. Um, just getting, you really just want to have like a couple singles or maybe a double here, here or there. And that'll set you up for sustained success. But getting a zero is really bad. Drop my mic there. Uh, yes. I mean, if you get even a 2015 class, you'd be okay. That's Frank. That's that's Tyler. And then after that was just uh, Terry Poole, Mark Glowinski, Ty Smith. I'm not even going to read the rest. Glowinski's meanwhile, is like playing well for some other team. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, in the league. Last, <laughs> last one, Danny, just on this draft, 2023 uh, class. Doesn't matter the position. Doesn't matter the round. Mm. Give us a sleeper. Just give Ooh. us a guy. You're just like, I like this guy. Like, they should draft him. Don't really care where. Just draft him. Um, this is a guy I'm sure you know about. Michael Wilson from Stanford, I think, is a good yeah. sleeper. Yeah. Um, he, he's, again, this is a – don't take him early because there's a lot of, like, red flags with, it, like, his injury <laughs> history and things like that. But, like, man, he was so impressive at the Senior Bowl. He's a guy, like, legitimately was not on my radar coming in. He barely played last year. He's, he's played, like – it was like four, six, and four, or something like that. Like the last three years, in terms of like the overall number of games he's played, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's been he's been having injuries like the last three seasons. Um, so he was not even really on my radar, but he looked really good. He was like one of the best receivers at the Senior Bowls. Period. Um, good size. Uh, he's from Stanford. Every interview you see and hear with him is like this guy is absolutely intense, like almost Doug Baldwin personality, <laughs> like he wants to be great. Like, I, you know, obviously that's hard to really read if that's absolutely true, but he really definitely projects it well. So I, I think there's something there. Like if he's a third, if he's a fourth round pick, um, I'd be pretty excited about that because 
Um, he could come in and be like a wide receiver three for you and like be pretty good player. He's got the right attitude. I think he's got the size. So he's, he's like another discount version of like a Cedric Tillman or something like that. Wow. I'm, uh, when you went to, when you mentioned that, let me fact check a few things here. Wow. Yeah. I played four games in 2020, four games in 2021, only six games in 2022. Yeah. So not, a, not on the field very much, but according to Dane's draft guide, his girlfriend played soccer at Stanford and is currently a member of the United <laughs> States national team wow. and, and the Portland Thorns. Uh, and she earned the NWSL 2022 MVP award. So there you go. His, nice. aunt, his aunt apparently played soccer for the New Zealand world cup team in 1991. Oh, wow. uh, and his cousin, Raphael McFarlane ran track at Sacramento state. He's got some, got some good genes there. Some bloodlines. Yeah. There we go. Draft guy. You get shit like that. That is amazing. Yeah, yes, I love, I'm gonna spend so much. James Draft Guy just came, recently came out. So <laughs> I, was, I was reading it this morning. It's so perusing. yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't wait. One time, the Seahawks drafted a guy, and we'll get out of here after this. And when one of the nuggets in there was that his father worked for the FBI. <laughs> really? I, it, I, I think it was Gary Jennings. I have to go back and mm. look. But I just remember thinking, Dane, how I, ne- I it never asked him. It's like, how the fuck did you find that out? <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, <laughs> what? <laughs> It's like looking on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so random. I don't know. I think Gary Jennings is a junior. So maybe just looking, researching his name, maybe brought that. I don't know. Mm, that's, yeah, that's I don't know sad. if there's like an FBI employee directory. <laughs> Probably not. No. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> wow. I'm never... trying not to like tell too many people about like who, what, who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's sorry. That was just the last, my last random draft nugget. That's all. That's awesome. You it's okay, Mike. Chris? No, Danny, we want to thank you again for wrapping with us, man. We appreciated all the insight, thoughts. We appreciate your time. And also, be sure to check out Danny's guide for the draft because it is really good as well. And like I mentioned earlier, I just love how he intertwines different sports <laughs> into his description of a player and his comp. I think that's really awesome and different. So I enjoy reading that as well. So thanks, Danny. Thank Mike, you. anything you want to add? I want to verify this was Gary Jennings for you. Sorry. <laughs> I just, yeah, who's, who's the FBI guy? I, I just don't want I need to know. that and leave it hanging. It's like, you know, and people ask me about it. Who's <laughs> I can't find it now. This is just go to 2019 Dane's draft guide and we'll see if we can. I think it was Gary Jennings though. And I just, <laughs> it was, it was Gary. There we go. It wow. was, he's the guy who had the, he had the feather in his cap, uh, in, in his helmet. He had a feather. He kept a feather in his helmet when he was playing for good luck, huh? I guess something like that for speed. Yeah, Dane says uh, Gary grew up in Richmond, but moved to Stafford, Virginia, prior to high school due to his father's job with the FBI. Wow, wow. nice! What a great just <laughs> that's like the first line on Gary's thing. <laughs> what? <Dang>. Well, <laughs> what? Shout out to Dane, man! Also, shout out to Danny joining us. Danny from Danny Kelly uh, of the Ringer also has a great draft guide, like Chris said. Um, great insights there. Great player comps. I, mean, I, mean, I love player comps. They're just they're just so fun. It just leads you yeah. down rabbit holes to looking up the guy you comp him to. Like, oh shit, that yeah. guy was good. That would be great. Uh, anything before you get out of here, man? Yeah, just uh, like you said, the Ringer NFL Draft Guide. It's at nfldraft.theringer.com, and then the Ringer Fantasy, or sorry, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show slash the Ringer NFL Draft Show, which I host a couple times a week. So yeah, check that out. Right. Thank you, Danny. Again, I'm Mike. That's Chris. This is the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Spotify, Apple, The Athletic, YouTube, everywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate the love and support. We will catch you guys next week. We are out. You see, I don't have to
between your mama, maybe you should smoke some in. Try the marijuana, I was laughing you good. Got the vibe of straight, shows you a couple of things and they feelings changed. I treated you right, everything was a gift from a time to your bag and a color on your lip. Yeah, you're I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.